If you're newer around here, my name's Doug. I work here. This is my little brother, Ryan, and he works here too. And uh, we're going to have a conversation that we're really excited about today for week four of this teaching series called Temple. And here's the heartbeat behind this series. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, the Apostle Paul says that we are temples of the Holy Spirit. So you are not your own, you have been bought at a price and the Holy Spirit moves in. And so the question we've been asking is what kind of roommate are you? And are you aware of the fact that the Holy Spirit is essentially your roommate, that you are a temple? The way Jesus viewed the human being, this Hebrew word nefesh from the Old Testament, that means all of you, spiritual, physical, basically three in one, mind, body, and spirit. You are all three of those things. And, and what you do with your spirit affects your mind and your body for better or for worse and vice versa. All are interconnected and all are affected by each other. So what does it look like? like to be physically healthy and what does it look like to be spiritually healthy and then today we're going to talk about what does it look like to be mentally healthy and one quick thing over the past uh, month on Wednesday evenings Ryan and I have been teaching this sort of master class called brainstorm how to have a sound mind and so if anything that we're saying today is resonating with you and I just have a gut feeling a lot of it's going to because um, we're talking about mental health and we were just talking right backstage. We are preaching to ourselves today and uh, I made the joke earlier, we, we're smoking what we're selling, okay? <laughs> like we believe in this stuff. And I love jokes like that because for every one person who leaves offended, there's 40 more people who are like, I found my people, man, I found them. <laughs> so you can, you can dig deeper um, all throughout September, starting this coming Friday, September 8th, we're gonna drop all eight of those sessions just one at a time. So we're talking mental health, Popcorn Ryan. Oh man, you guys have like uh, flashbacks to being in, high, in elementary school and you're reading and somebody popcorns you and you don't know where you are and so you're, you're guessing in the paragraph. That happened to me all the time. Anyways, we are talking about how to be mentally healthy today and the place to start is with the very first seminary lecture I ever attended 10 years ago. In case you're here and you're like, is this place even legit? Does anybody have a theology degree in this building? We, we got, got one. one right here. One out of three okay. is not bad. Not bad. Um, no, I, I got a job at, at a great church in California as a pastor, and I started teaching these Thursday night classes, which was really fun. Um, the problem was eventually, not even eventually, pretty quickly, I started running out of things to say. And so I realized I should probably go back and start learning some things. And so um, every Wednesday night, I would drive to the seminary down the street and sit in these three-hour-long lectures, and it became this, this really fun rhythm for me. Um, but the very first lecture I ever sat down in, the professor stood up and he said, transformation is possible. It really is. The problem is it's incredibly difficult. And then he began to expound on it and, and point out the reason it's so difficult to actually change is because we're not just fighting one enemy, we're actually fighting three enemies. Um, and so he said, picture it like you're a boat out at sea. And as you're sailing along, you, you hit a crazy storm that comes out of nowhere, waves, wind, rain, uh, it's all starting to, to come into the boat, and so you are trying to navigate through this storm. He said, that's like the world. We, we live in a world that loves to throw storms at us, loves to give us things to worry about and things to be anxious about, but that's only one of the three dynamics. He goes, also, we have an enemy. 
In the words of Jesus, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So it's like while you are navigating through this storm, you also have a pirate ship that's coming to steal, kill, and destroy. And so you're trying to fight that off, but that's only two out of the three dimensions. Also, while you're doing all of that, he said it's like you realize in that moment that there's a bigger problem, that below deck, a cannon has come loose. And every time you go up one wave, that cannon rams into the side of your boat. And then when you go up another wave, it rams into the other side of your boat. And if you don't do something about it, it's gonna put a hole in the boat and you're going to sink, right? So we have the world creating a storm. We have an enemy coming to attack us. But maybe more importantly, we have an inner problem called sin. There's something going on in us that, that, that causes us to be broken. And so that's one of the reasons why this conversation is so complicated is we have three things, uh, three enemies coming at us at once, but that, that inner uh, problem is what we really wanna talk uh, about today because that is like the, the negative thought patterns that you get stuck in. Uh, it, it's like if, if you have a toxic thought pattern in your life, then you can show up here every single Sunday and we're so glad that you do to hear that you are loved and valued and accepted, but if by the time you get out to your car, the inner narrative is, no, you're not loved, no, you're not valued, no, you're not accepted, Uh, then it's like keep coming back over and over and over again, but transformation is going to be very difficult. Why? Because there's something below deck that is off. And so that's really, I think, where this conversation begins, is talking about these negative thought patterns that throw us off. Yeah, and I love how you said, even before you get to your car after church, Jesus tells this parable about the, the farmer who's sowing seed, and the seed is good seed, but it lands in the soil, and before it even has a chance to put down roots and become something more than the seed, birds come and snatch it away. I feel like you can show up to church and hear good seed and truth and the word of God that has the power to change and transform your life. And before you even get to lunch after church today to have a conversation about this conversation, there's an interruption, there's a distraction, there's a frustration, and it gets snatched away before it can become what it was supposed to become. That's why Jesus said, man, it's so, this this has to take root in your minds because everything that you experience, you experience between the six inches of space between your ears. That life is a little bit about what happens to you externally and it's a lot about how you perceive internally the things that are happening around you and to you externally. I love how you said transformation is possible. Change is possible. Scientists call this neuroplasticity that God, the designer of your brain, I believe with great forethought, saw 2023 ahead of time and divinely designed your brain with neuroplasticity, the ability to change, which means you're not stuck with the mind or brain that you have right now. You might feel that way, but transformation is possible. This is what the Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 12, verse two. He says, don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So the question isn't, is your mind changing? The question is, what is it changing into right now? The question is not, are you becoming? The question is, who are you in the process of becoming? The question is not, are you being discipled or not? The question is, who's discipling you 
the patterns of this world, or the God of the universe. Because your mind changes and starts to look more like whatever it is that you give your attention to. And Silicon Valley knows that better than the church, and it drives me crazy. You have precious resources, your money, your time, maybe even more so than that, your attention. Because you become, your mind becomes more and more like whatever it is you are giving your attention to. And so be reminded today that transformation is possible. It's actually happening whether you want it to or not, just for better or for worse. So what we're saying is today, let's, let's take ownership and authority of it so that it happens for the better. And let's make five mind shifts. So if we had a title for this message, it would be this. Five mind shifts for a healthy thought life. All right, are we ready? Here we go. The first thing we need to do is we need to shift from a brace for impact mindset to a God is good mindset. Let me explain what I mean. Hollywood has messed us up a bit. Probably a lot of bit, but, but there's, lot, there's lots of ways that that's happened. Let me give you one. Um, when it comes to storytelling, the number one rule of storytelling is hold the audience's attention, which, by the way, is becoming increasingly difficult. What do, what do we say? It, our attention span used to be 12 seconds? 12 seconds, 20 years ago. So not a lot of wiggle room already, but now it's down to eight seconds. And to put that in perspective, goldfish have an attention span of nine Okay, so they have us beat. It's great. Seriously. <laughs> Makes preaching a sermon really, really easy. Yeah, every eight seconds you have to shock everybody. Ah! Boo! We Tell got them something. Tell them we something. Got him. Hurry. We got them. Yeah. So much pressure. Okay. Um, movie writers and, and people who write shows, they, they know this. And so what they do is they take characters through an arc, but it looks like taking them to the highest highs and the lowest lows, and then the highest highs and the lowest lows, and the highest highs and the lowest lows, all in like two episodes. That's why you watch one season of your favorite show and you're like, I feel like they've experienced a lifetime of experiences and emotions in like a week, right? It's because they're trying to hold our attention. And so here's the tactic, is right before you're going to bring a character down to, to their low point, start them way up here so that the fall holds their attention. And so we know this like cliche scene where the protagonist, the hero, is like finally starting to figure their life out, you know, and, and everything's finally starting to go well for them. And I picture them like in their car with the windows down and they've got Wonderwall by Oasis blasted and they're, they're singing along and everything is good. When that scene happens, what do we do? We brace for impact because we know that's when the car crash is gonna happen, like nine times out of 10. It's a formula, okay? It's a great strategy for telling a story. It's a horrible strategy for living with a sound mind. So I feel like we have copy and pasted what we've seen on the screen onto our lives. And so now what we do is when things start to go well in our lives, we, we brace for impact. And so you finally get into that relationship with somebody that you're really compatible with and it's going really well and, and maybe for the first time in a long time, you're like, man, this actually, there could be something here, but instead of just enjoying it in the moment, we're going, I know something's about to go wrong. I know something's about to pull the rug out from underneath this. It can't be that good. Or you finally get that job, that, that career that, that gives you life and it's a healthy work environment and a good salary and you're, you're enjoying it. But the whole time, like you show up on Monday morning like, 
Something's gonna go wrong. The next email's gonna come. We're bracing for impact. And what happens is we get so, um, we get so worried about the future and what could go wrong that we forget to enjoy the, the present moment that we're in. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's one thing to worry about things going wrong when things are going wrong. That's just normal, that's just human. But then we take those same, I guess, neural pathways and patterns of thinking, and when things are going right, we still behave in the exact same way, and we still think, man, what, what's about to go wrong? If things are going right, then what goes around comes around and what goes up must come down. So if I just live in a constant state of bracing for impact, then it won't hurt as bad when there's impact. And yes, it will. Can we just be honest about that? Tell the truth and set ourselves free in a weird backwards kind of way. In this world, you will have trouble and there will be impact and all the more reason to live the kind of life that preaches to the world, God is still good. Like you wanna just get the enemy, enjoy your life today, even though in this world you will have trouble. Even though in this life there will be impact. Embrace the fullness of life and don't let your circumstances today decide for you whether or not your God is good. You decide God is good, now let that frame up your circumstances and be the lenses by which you see and experience life today. Enjoy your life even though in this world you will have trouble, God is still good. That's it, so for some of you, here it is, Psalm 34, eight. Come taste and see that the Lord is good. It's David writing who had a whole lot of impact in his life, a whole lot of reasons to brace for impact. He had a lot of ups and a lot of downs, and yet he understood at some deeper level, he had experienced the goodness of God in such a way that he realized that beyond the circumstances of my life, I know that God is good. It's one of those phrases that, that you hear people say all the time, and all the time they say God is good, and somewhere along the way you've stopped believing it, because you just hear it all the time, but it's actually true that the Lord is good. Our job is to come and taste and experience it. And so very practically, this week, when you have that moment, when you start to brace for impact, what if you just stopped, took a deep breath, and realized, oh, I'm doing that thing again? God is good, and so I'm going to make a shift in my mind from brace for impact to God is good. That's number one. Come what may, God is good today. There it is, we got there. Four services it took us to get there, but we got there. <laughs> it even rhymes. Oh, write it down, Ryan. Okay, <laughs> number two, we need to shift from a double-minded mindset to a decisive and committed mindset. Imagine if people said that about you, man, she's so decisive. Man, he's so committed. It's got a nice ring to it. We, uh, one of our sessions for Brainstorm, we, we called it How to Make a Decision and got so much positive feedback that I just wanted to give you a few highlights right now um, because making decisions is getting more and more challenging because of the paradox of choice. Options are going up. I'll define options for you. Opportunities for anxiety. That's what options are. We think they're liberating when actually it's the opposite that might be true. You get on Netflix and it's, it causes you anxiety because there's 100,000 different options to choose from, not to mention there's Peacock and, and Max and ESPN Plus and Disney Plus and Hulu and 
That's why two weeks ago I was on a United flight from Denver to Austin, and it was amazing because unitedwifi.com, their entertainment, I was watching Friends, and there was only four episodes. It was the one with the embryos, the one with Chandler in a box, the one with all the Thanksgivings, and the one with the tiny T-shirt. And I didn't have a choice. I had to watch these four episodes, and because I didn't have a choice, I wasn't FOMOing 300 other episodes to choose from, and I just, I so loved it and enjoyed it. And so how to make a decision, we broke it down. If I'm talking to you right now, let's simplify this and make it more approachable. Break it into three steps. Number one, scout the decision. Number two, make the decision. You think that would be three, but it's two. Because number three is own the decision. Scout it, make it, own it. The two biggest decisions I've ever made in my life, um, who to marry, and when we were in Denver, where to move to plant this church. And if you don't know the story, it was between San Diego and Austin. Spoiler alert, we chose Austin. Um, Hopefully that doesn't shock you, because you're here. Um, But I remember I remember like, man, how do, we, how do we make a decision like this? And so what did we do? We actually literally scouted two cities, scout the decision. We visited San Diego for a week and we walked around the city, we prayed, we ate at restaurants, we went to neighborhoods, we talked to people, we visited churches and, and then we did the same thing. We came to Austin and did the same thing for a week. We just, we scouted the cities, um, gathered the information. That's what I tell people in pastoral meetings all the time when they're in like a transition season or they're trying to discern what does God have planned for me next? Uh, Which job should I take? Which city should I move to? I give them the word investigate. Go investigate. God can't steer a parked car. And there's a difference between passively waiting and actively waiting. Which one of those are you doing? Are you the one who are, like you're shutting doors or are you knocking on doors and pursuing things and going on the dates and doing the interviews and applying for jobs, letting God be the one to shut doors? Like if I I see a green light in the distance, I'm not gonna just put it in park because it might turn red. I'm driving towards the green light and if it stays green, I'm going through. And if God turns it red, then I'll know but he can't steer a parked car. Scout the decision and investigate it. And then, number two, make a decision. Make the decision. I remember, um, couldn't do that. And I was telling Sean, I said, man, there's like 50 people who are gonna uproot their lives and leave jobs and sell homes and move to help us do this thing. That's a big deal. What if I pick wrong? Um, And he, oh, first of all, I I love that question when people ask me, what if I ruin God's plan for my life? And it just, you have to stop and think like, oh, you think you are so much more powerful than you really are. God's plans, you're gonna ruin it with this decision? This will set you free. God's plan will work through your decisions, through your choices. He's not a divine breadcrumb lever and you better find the next breadcrumb or you ruin his plan for your life. You're not that powerful and he's not that cruel. He's not a God of confusion. And I remember talking to Sean and and he said, hey man, he likened it to a, 
he used this metaphor because he had just taken his son Ashton Lego shopping at Toys R Us, RIP Toys R Us. <laughs> Paradox of choice down the Lego aisle, hundreds of options Ashton couldn't choose. And Sean finally said, hey buddy, if you pick that one, would it be cool? And Ashton was like, oh dad, that'd be so cool. <laughs> okay, what about that one? What if you pick that? Oh man, dad, that would be awesome. That one's so cool. He said, okay, make a decision and pick one and don't look back. And he said to me, he said, do people need Jesus in San Diego? I said, yeah. Do people need Jesus in Austin? Yes. He said, so pick one and go make heaven more crowded. Would there have been fruit and would God have written a story in San Diego? Yes. There would have been fruit and not just the oranges and avocados. <laughs> like eternal fruit. You'll have an avocado tree in your backyard one day, Ryan. One day, I believe. I still believe. Maybe not this life, but on new earth. Um, have we seen nothing but evidence for why we felt like God was nudging us in the Austin direction? Absolutely. Make a decision. Make a decision. God will work through your, your decisions. And then, number three, own it. Be all in for it. Be all in for it. When I, when I, I've shared this with you guys before, but I think this is so helpful. When I have pastoral meetings with young couples who maybe have been married for six months or a year and marriage is hard, and one of them, I can just tell, is panicking because they think I chose wrong. So that's where I get the double-minded spirit, the double-minded mindset, because James chapter one says, the double-minded is like that little boat in the ocean without an anchor, in a storm, blown and tossed about by the wind and unstable in everything that you do. That is no way to live. That is torture for your mind. And so if you're in that situation and we were in a pastoral meeting, what I would say is marriage is challenging because it's marriage. It's tough by design but it's 10 times harder because you're asking yourself every night when you lay your head on the pillow before falling asleep, did I, did I mess up God's plan for my life? Did I choose wrong? Did I miss something? That is subconscious torture for your spirit and your mind. That's why when we moved here, Sean said, hey, expect it to be hard. So when it's hard, you don't have a double-minded spirit wondering if you ruin God's plans for your life. And when you pick a location to start the church, expect there to be challenges. So that when there's challenges, you're not double-minded. He said, make the decision and then get there and own the decision. And sometimes it's so clear. God's like, I want you to go left and not right. And I want you to go right and not left. And in those moments, man, he's not a God of confusion. The sheep know the sound of the shepherd's voice. If you're trying to discern the voice of God, then do the work to find proximity and presence and shut out the distractions and the other noises. We'll get to that in a second. And then trust your God instinct because you have one. Don't follow necessarily your heart. Follow Jesus. Lead your heart to him. Get in his presence. And then make a decision and then own the decision. And I think we overplay the God card because we're afraid to make decisions and own them. When in reality... Most of the time, at least from my life, it's like God wants to sit down with me over a prayer session and a cup of coffee and design the next chapter with me. You're here 
He wants you here. He's really good at getting you where he wants you to go. Nobody's trajectory looks like this. All of us is some form of, but God will get you there, but he can't steer a parked car. It reminds me of uh, the first location we had. When we were looking for a space to, to meet for church, we got turned down 90 times, like not nine times, 90, nine zero. And uh, then we finally found this shared workspace about a mile down the street that, that said yes. Uh, but we were looking at each other like, this isn't a church. You know, like, like you, this isn't a place where you do church. And then we realized, well, wait a second. If God's people are gathering together, the Holy Spirit's going to be here, then this sounds a whole lot like church to me. We just need to turn it into a church. So we need to get super creative, then we need to make this decision, but then we need to double down and own it and not look back. And it turned into, for like 14 or 15 months, a sweet place for us to set a firm foundation for this place. And so scout the decision, make the decision, and then own the decision. That's just number two. We need to move on to, to number three. Real quick, um, we're, I know we're giving you a lot. We're giving you five different mind shifts to make. Um, that's because we want you to pick one, okay? You're not gonna be able to make all five of these this week, but this is like shopping. We wanna present you with your five options, and, and we want you to be asking the Lord during this time, hey, what is the one mind shift that you're calling me to make? And if you felt like that whole thing about making decisions might be for you, but you can't decide if that's the one that you should make, that's probably the one that you should pick. All right, here we go. Number three, shift from a noise mindset. This is so important. From a noise mindset to a sound mindset. 2 Timothy 1.7, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of what? Power, love, and a sound mind. It's just that we also live in a very noisy world. So sometimes it's very difficult to have a sound mind when we're surrounded by chaos. And so we need to make the move from a noisy mind to a sound mind. Now, there's two different types of noise, external noise from the world and then the inner noise. Uh, let's tackle the external noise first. Um, it's a noisy world that we live in. People are no nosy, noisy. Nosy, did I misspeak? It's, it's probably both. Everybody has opinions that they would like to share with you. And so if you leave yourself open to all of the criticism and all the feedback all the time, then guess what? You're going to live in a very noisy world. Uh, but I wanna, what I wanna do today is I wanna empower you to realize that you have more say in the noise that you let in than you think. It's like people come up to me in the lobby all the time and they say things like, yeah, but people on social media, like they're just so mean and they say things to me and they critique me and I go, okay. But like back in the day, earlier in my pastoral career, I would just like empathize with them and go like, I know, it's so, it's so tough, I'm so sorry. Now I go, hey, you're the one clicking on the app. You're the one clicking on the app again and then again and again. And again, and scrolling, and scrolling, and scrolling, and scrolling. Like, like you're the one, like you actually have a decision where you can decide, hey, that's not healthy for me, so I'm gonna put that aside. Or that's not healthy for me at night, so I'm going to put that aside at night. You have the power to decide to turn off those things. Did you know it's so easy to just suspend your social media accounts? I'm telling you, it's so easy. And you go, yeah, I know, but it's my calling, and God needs me to be on there. Hey, no, he doesn't. 
God's gonna be fine, I promise. And how about this, let's just, a week from now, it's still gonna be there. Everything's gonna be okay, but you'll have a much sounder mind if you just take a break. Or, or people will come up to me and go, oh, I'm, I'm, trying, to, I'm trying to keep like a, a, a pure mind. It's just that all the movies that come out these days and all the TV shows, they're all so inappropriate and they're all so raunchy. And again, like years ago, I used to be like, oh, man, I'm sorry, it's so, it's so difficult. These days I'm like, so you don't know how a remote control works? You, you just turn it off or you just turn the channel. Like you have the power to decide, no, actually I'm not going to let that noise into my life. Turn it off and go outside. Come on. Turn it off and go outside. read a book. Outside, what is that, Ryan? Turn it off, here's one. Turn it off and go read a book outside. <laughs> you know that you have the, that, like that's an opportunity on the table. And I'm so like nervous that we're just turning into like mindless creatures that feel like we're, we're stuck having to, to just look at a screen for our entire lives. It's just not true. Hey, we're still human beings. Let's be human beings. Get outside and, and read a book. That's the, that's the external noise. Doug, help us with the inner noise. You ready for just a flawless transition? Go, Go outside and read this book, Whoa. Ryan. I highly recommend this book, man. This will, in the best way, mess with you and could be transformative for you. It's called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer. Um, the legend Dallas Willard said the greatest enemy of our spiritual health in this day and age, of everything he could say, he said is hurry. Um, so I'll just read one page for you and uh, it piggybacks off of what Ryan just said. Here's what I mean by a noisy, a noise mindset. The mental chatter that just never shuts up, the running commentary in our heads on everything, the replaying of a lousy conversation with a friend over and over again, our lustful thoughts for the girl or guy down the street, our fantasies, and not just sexual, our revenge fantasies, imagining saying this or doing that to our enemies of choice, our worry, the chipping away at our joy and peace with the hammer of what if, the obsessing over hypothetical scenarios, role-playing the future, catastrophizing, idolizing, dreaming of the perfect life, which in turn poisons our actual lives. The clutter in our minds is like a mental hoarder landlocked in his or her bedroom in a self-constructed prison. Some of us feel trapped in the toxic, unhealthy patterns of our own minds. External noise is easy to quiet. Just turn off your phone, turn off the TV, lie on your couch, walk to the park, read a book outside. <laughs> I added that. <laughs> book a night at a cabin close by. But internal noise, that's a whole other animal. A wild beast in desperate need of taming, there's no off switch. The kind of silence I'm talking about is when you silence both. So my working theory is the reason we're so, uh, we have such a hard time silencing the inner noise is because we're refusing to silence the outer noise. That the starting point is getting serious about the, what the psalmist says in Psalm 4610, being still and realizing that God is God. That's, maybe that's your, your one for this week. Be still and know that I am God because apparently the prerequisite for really meeting with God is stillness 
and quiet and, and learning how to put up a, a noise gate. Audio engineers, they use a thing called a noise gate. Um, I don't know how it works. All I, all I understand is that you have a noise gate, you have a gate that keeps the noise that you don't want from getting through so that you just record the stuff that you do want. And, and I've been thinking maybe we need to do the same thing with our mind, to have a noise gate where, where you set boundaries and you go, no, that's not the type of noise that I wanna let in, so I'm not going to let it in. I'm gonna decide to be still and know that God is God. Remember the Beats by Dre commercials? The hear what you want, that's their slogan. I feel like that's way easier. Like we, we, hear, we hear that slogan and go, that's a great slogan, it's impossible. No, I think you have way more control over external sound and noise. Hear what you want. I, I, I wonder sometimes if the reason we have such a hard time shutting off external noise is because we're trying to use it to drown out the inner noise. I wonder, like, why do I always have to have a podcast on in my headphones while I'm working out, or music on in my car, or a TV show on while I'm cooking dinner in the background? It's almost like we're running from something, and I can't just be alone with the internal noise, because there can be pain, but until you feel it, God can't heal it. And every time you opt to just be alone with that and process, there's more freedom on the other side of it every single time. We need to shift from a noise mindset to a sound mindset. Number four, we need to shift from a what's wrong mindset to a what's right mindset. Um, I've needed this the past few days. Even a few days ago, it was Friday and the whole day, man, was one of those days where every frustrating thing that could have happened, happened. And I'm talking about a thousand little things, like death by a thousand paper cuts kind of day. And I remember texting Sam around early afternoon, my wife, and I said, hey, babe, I need you to pray for me. Like, I really, I feel like I'm going crazy. I feel like I'm on the Truman Show right now. And I'm going crazy, and I just need to snap out of it. And there, I wasn't crazy. There was a lot of just... It was kind of ridiculous. However, I have a human condition that all of us have called negativity bias, where it's so much easier to notice everything that's wrong than everything that's right. So even in this room right now, there's in every, in every chair, in overflow right now, in every chair, there's stuff wrong in your life right now. Me too. But there's also so much that's right. But our brains just by default sort of skew to the stuff that's wrong. There was a study in 2005, I don't know how they figured this out, but they determined the average human being, not that you're average, but the average human being thinks between 7,000 and 60,000 thoughts a day. They averaged it to 40,000 thoughts a day. That's crazy. What's crazier is that 80% of those 40,000 thoughts are negative, which means four out of every five thoughts that you have, when your mind is left shifted into neutral, not anchored in hope, drift towards the negative. And I was listening to um, a psychiatrist and brain doctor, his name's Dr. Daniel Amen, and he has some great work out right now where he talks about brain health. And first of all, he says, well, your mind lives in your brain, your brain being a physical organ. Are you stewarding and caring for your brain? 
which is the home of your mind. In other words, we can have these conversations and you can do so much work for your, the health of your mind. And yet if you have bad habits in your life that are harming your brain, there's a bit of irony to that. That's why we talk about you as a, as a whole being, body, spirit, and mind, because they affect each other. And if you have healthy physical habits that you start, then doing all the things we're talking about today with your mind is gonna be so much more possible and doable. Your mind is in your brain. So he, he talks about how we have negativity bias, but positivity bias is your secret superpower if you train for it and practice it. So he says, two ways I do it. And I have recently adopted this. I think this is brilliant. Number one, he starts the day by saying, today's gonna be a good day. And that's not just idealistic and ignorant. You're gonna have bad things that happen today. But that doesn't mean your God is not good. And that doesn't mean he can't take bad things and flip them and use them for the good of those who love him. So in this world, you'll have trouble, but take heart. We have a God who has overcome the world. Today, come what may, my God is good today. It's gonna be a good day. And just walking out your front door with that sort of filter. And then at the end of the day, he says, I get in bed and I ask myself this question. What went well today? What went right as so simple but so profound, because he, he tells this beautiful story. He said, I've been at it now for like 10 or 20 years. And a few years ago, he lost his dad. And he said, it was the hardest day of my life. He said, but I got in bed that night, and my, my brain, my mind just on autopilot now asked that question. What went right today? And he said, then my flesh started chirping, saying, how dare, you're not a good son to ask that question. Your dad would not, as if his dad would not want him to really ask that question. And he said, all of a sudden, I remember this one moment between my mom and the paramedic, when my mom, out of her pain, made this joke, um, and the paramedic joined her, and they both had a moment with tears and a hug. He said, I thought about that. I remembered all the texts all my friends sent me that afternoon. And he said, and then I, the last thing I thought about before falling asleep was holding my dad's hand minutes before he passed. And he said, I vividly remembered the texture of his hand. And he said, there has, there's not a day that goes by I don't miss my dad. But that night I fell asleep in peace thinking about those things that went right. I just love that. And that, that does not happen by default. You, you, only, you only get to that point if you knock down those dominoes every day and ask yourself that question, what went right today? You start training your mind and make that mind shift from a what's wrong mindset to a what's right. Yeah, so a, a little bit of science to back that up. Uh, they did a study where they realized that negative experiences imprint on your mind in about a second. They're like Velcro, they just stick there. Positive experiences take more like 12 to 15 seconds. They work, work more like Teflon, right? And, and so you know this because if you've ever had a great dinner with a beautiful sunset and good food and good conversation with good people, but there was one comment that one person made, what do you drive home thinking about? Not all the beauty, but that one negative experience that... Whew, 
And, and so what's really cool about understanding that negativity bias is realizing that we actually have a call uh, as human beings, scripture gives us a, a call to make that shift to a positive bias by applying a tactic that scripture has been inviting us into for thousands of years, which is contemplation and meditating on just how good God is. And so I, I do this. When I see a, a beautiful sunset, I don't just go, oh yeah, that's cool. I actually stop for 15 seconds. You look kind of crazy, but whatever. I stop and I stare and I go, God, you created all of this. God, you invited me to be a part of this story. God, this is so beautiful, this is so majestic, this is so epic, thank you, and I'll allow myself 15 seconds to, to, to let that moment imprint itself onto my brain. Now, when we start to do that over and over and over again, we can actually make the shift from what's wrong to what's right. It's so good. I, uh, I love the, the concept of training for it. Um, Stop trying and start training. Um, Cause I, I've had anxiety, a battle with anxiety for about a decade. I have prayed so many times, God, can you just like snap your divine finger and take this from me? Cause he could, he's God. I've had a few moments where I feel like God the Father has just sort of sat with me and answered my question with, Hey, buddy, I could do that, but I would be robbing you of a story and of trying your strength and of coming to know more of the authority and ownership that I have given you over your own mind. In the same way that Jesus told an actual storm to be still that you've been delegated authority and ownership to tell the storms in your mind to be still. And he said, I, I, I could snap my fingers right now, but I would rob you of a chance to grow and come out the other side of this stronger and better for it, man. And in the meantime, in this valley, I'm gonna walk with you every single step as you try your strength and as you, as you train in this. Yeah, okay, let's finish this. Number five, we need to shift from a bleachers in my brain mindset to an I'm made for this mindset. Bleachers in my brain, here's what I mean. Every single one of us, in some way and to some extent, in your brain you have these bleachers. And on these bleachers are all the people you sort of collected over the years who you believe they are watching and observing your life, wondering if you're gonna fail, God forbid, even sometimes hoping you're gonna fail, all the way from that bully in elementary school to that clique in high school to that father who never said that to that coach who cut you to that teacher who, and we collect them. And a lot of us, some, like sometimes we will work for decades until we're exhausted trying to prove something to a grandstands of people who aren't even watching in the first place. It's, it's called the spotlight effect in psychiatry that we believe that we are being observed and watched and we have people's attention way more than we actually do because the people that we think they're paying attention to us, they're busy thinking we're paying attention to them. And the bleachers, like the that 16-year-old who, you know, we, we freeze them in time as a 16-year-old and that person never gets to grow in my mind. There's still that 
punk in high school who, you know what I mean? What does Dave Ramsey say? Like we spend money we don't have to buy things we can't afford and don't need in order to impress people we don't even like. Um, how, how much of your life are you living for and working for this imaginary bleachers in your brain that by the way is not real, but once again, it's real because it's, you're experiencing it because everything starts in the six inches of space between your ears. So it's not even reality, but it is your reality because you have bleachers in your brain and you haven't shifted away from that mindset to let, let that go. I was gonna even say, kick them off the bleachers. Tell them, beat the traffic. You're no, but I think it's more, let them go. Shake hands with them. I don't, need, I don't need you anymore. This is not my mindset anymore. I don't have an audience I'm living for. I have an audience of one. And I'm made for this because he made me for this. And um, we had a, a men's breakfast in this room three weekends ago. We talked about the masculine journey and broke it into stages and how the first stage was really the stage of just simply learning to be a son. And you can parallel this with for, for girls and women, and but in the context of this breakfast, my son Will is in that stage right now, between the ages of zero and 10, 11, 12. The question he's trying to get answered in his heart is does my dad love me? Is he proud of me and is he pleased with me? Regardless of what I do or don't do, just because of who I am, just because I'm his son. And it's funny because we're, you know, a lot of us still today, way beyond that stage, but still showing up on Sundays, trying to get the same question answered. The same question our kids are learning, the same truth they're learning across the hallway right now, the most simple yet profound and unbelievable truth that Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Trying to get that question answered. And um, I believe the more you get that question answered, is God pleased with you? When Jesus came up out of the Jordan River after being baptized, the Holy Spirit, like a dove, descended from heaven, and he heard the voice of the Father say, this is my son, I love him, and I'm well pleased with him. And don't you dare for a second think, well, that was Jesus, though, because of the gospel, the great exchange, where Jesus took your sin on the cross and in exchange gave you his undefeated, spotless, righteous record. So when God the Father looks at you, that's what he sees and says, this is my daughter, this is my son. I love you and I'm pleased with you and you don't have to do a thing for the rest of your life and I will feel the same way. You need to get some confidence not based on your performance but based on your position in Christ that you're a son, you're a daughter, you're not loved based on your worth, you're loved because of your birth. That's how being a kid works. And the more you start to grasp my father is pleased with me, the less and less you'll feel the pressure and need to please everybody else around you on your bleachers. That's it, so those are the five mind shifts we wanna invite you, you to make. And the reason we ended this series, Temple, by talking about these, these mental shifts that, that God's inviting us into is because we are stepping into the fall. 
uh, next week, we're, we're starting a brand new series called Alive and Free, and I'm telling you, it's time to, it's time to play a little offense in this city, and it's time to make heaven more crowded, and we'll, we'll get there, but I just feel like in this moment, to end this series, the Holy Spirit wants to, to do some, some healing and, and invite us to, to do uh, some work in our own minds, and so we're gonna sing this song called Champion. Um, it's a, a, a song about how year, you know, years ago when they would go into battle and one side would feel outnumbered, what they'd do is, is they'd go, well, what if we just send our champion against their champion one-on-one and, and we just let the, the chips fall how, the, how they will? And so um, I, I love this song because it's a reminder that, that Jesus is our champion and that when it, especially when it comes to mental health, man, so complicated and there's so many layers to this and sometimes it just feels like we're up against an enemy that we can't overcome oh but we don't have to overcome because we have a champion and his name's jesus and so we just send him out to fight for us so that's what we're going to do if you guys would stand if if you are able i want to want to take us through these five uh mindset mind shifts one more time just so you can by way of review pick the one that you're going to go to war with this week and so real quick the first one if you remember shift from a brace for impact mindset to a god is good mindset number two is this shift from a double-minded mindset to a no i'm just going to make a decision this week a decisive and committed mindset Number three, shift from a noise mindset to a sound mindset. Number four, shift from a what's wrong mindset to a what's right mindset. And finally, a shift from a bleachers in my brain mindset to a I'm made for this mindset. And if I may, it just feels like there's a little something extra on that last one. And so if there's somebody in this room or, or somebody watching online or somebody up in overflow or, or ladies at, at God Behind Bars who would say, yeah, I've got somebody on my bleachers. Uh, hey, maybe during this song, it's time to let them go. Maybe during this time, it's, it's time to shake hands with the past. Maybe during this time, this song, it's, it's time to remind yourself that God is pleased with you. Hey, exactly as you are that he loves you and that he has a plan and a purpose for your life. So Holy Spirit, all across this room, everybody listening, wherever they're at, Father, you know what, what mind shift they need to make. And so I pray right now that you would speak to them, that you would make it so clear which one you want them to choose and that you would empower them this week to, to start taking steps, to start being transformed by the renewing of their mind instead of being conformed to the patterns of this world. Lord, would you teach us how to quiet down our minds? Lord, would you teach us how to stop bracing for impact? Lord, would you teach us how to realize that you are just that good? And Father, for the one who has somebody on their bleachers that they need to forgive or that they need to, to let off the hook, I pray right now that you would give them the strength to do that. Father, I pray that you would wrap them up in, in your love and, and your peace, a peace that transcends all understanding, that they would know at the depths of their soul that, that they are your son, that they are your daughter with whom you are well pleased. And from there, that they would let go of the past and face forward to the future that you have for them. And so Jesus, we lift our, our, our attention and our affection to you now, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, our champion in Jesus' name, amen.